0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey speaks on what it means to release control of our lives and to be fully dependent on God. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit GateCityATL.com slash Gatekeepers. Enjoy. We're on part seven, teach us to pray. Uh... All of those that just raised your hand, way to go! You made it to all seven. Way to be. If you missed one, they're on our uh, they're on our podcast. You can grab that Gatekeepers podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever it's at. Um, tonight, the whole prayer turns, and whereas everything up to now has been us, either. Um, Adoring and beholding God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or interceding for his kingdom and his will to be done his way. Now, the prayer changes and it is about us asking simple things for God to provide in our lives. Okay? This prayer... I'm gonna do all four. There's four of them. I'm gonna do all four of them tonight. But here's what I wanna set up in your mind these four prayers are incredibly foundational prayers. And even while I was like studying this and praying for this, I was convicted at how I don't actually pray these prayers. And it's literally in the Lord's Prayer, the format for prayer. And if I'm honest, The reason why some of this I don't pray for is because of my own pride. Now, listen, if the shoe fits for you tonight, just wear it. Don't be sitting there going, oh, someone I know just needs to hear this message. Just put it on yourself and let the Lord minister to you. Because here's what I feel like as I was just preparing and praying over tonight I really felt like the Lord wanted to come as a shepherd tonight, that Jesus wanted to uh, reveal himself as the good shepherd, and he wants to tenderly shepherd your heart, okay? And he wants to bring you into a place of, like, reliance and dependence upon him, okay? So in Matthew 6, let's go ahead and just pull out our device or our Bible, some of you guys got paper. If you got paper, let's hear it. Hey, nice. I'm t- I cannot remember the last time I read out of a paper Bible. I just use digital. Like, like just boo me. It's fine. Go ahead. Uh, I just say digital. Uh, let's look at Matthew 6, 11 through thirteen. Again, there's four points of prayer, four intercessions that we make for ourselves. And I'm convinced he identified these four not because it sort of rolled off the tongue and made a nice Lord's prayer, but because these are four critical and foundational prayers that we should be praying over ourselves. And I think they're actually, it's not that you couldn't pray anything else for yourself, but it's almost like if you're not praying these four, don't worry about praying other stuff. I think they're that level important. So let's look at it. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, sort of, the the benediction of the prayer for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So, these four components give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts or our sins, do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. All right, now track with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Everybody say, feed us. Forgive us our debts. Say, forgive us. Do not lead us into temptation. Lead us. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us. There's the four prayers. Feed us. Forgive us lead us, deliver us. Some songwriter needs to grab that. Feed us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Feed us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. So these four, I believe the reason why he put these in the Lord's Prayer is because they're dealing with foundationally some of the most critical needs of our entire life. Whether we assess these four things as critical really doesn't matter. Jesus assesses them as critical. So we need to get tuned into that. Like there is a whole thing going on in the mind of God to orient us in our prayer a certain way. And if we're not paying attention to it, we will pray a bunch of junk on our own trying to come up with our own stuff to pray for. And he's going, Hey, no, no, no. There's a whole nother thing I want you to pray. Feed us. You know, Forgive us. Lead us, deliver us. because I want you to pray in a different manner for yourselves. And I'm just thinking my whole life, how many times have I ever asked the Lord to feed me? Now I've asked him to feed me His word, but he's actually talking about literal daily bread. Now, there's a reason why we don't think about daily bread. Anybody know what it is? Because we live in a country that is so overwhelmingly rich that the idea that you wouldn't have daily bread seems foreign to 99% of the population. But there is something in the heart and the mind of God in each of these prayers that's very specific to who we are as people that he wants to bring us into and here's what it's going to do for you tonight. Ready? It's going to bring you out of. Uh, it's going to bring you out of your need to control everything. And bring you into the freedom and liberty of depending on God. That's what these prayers are geared for it smacks against all of our ways of just controlling everything in our own life. That's why they're so critical and so foundational. We'll drive through this in just a minute and you'll see it. But when you let these things work you, when you let these four prayers work you, you'll get to this place of just giving up. Just giving up. And any of us in this room that are control freaks, I'm not going to call you out. This is for you. This word is for you. So, the first thing I want to point out about this, and I've said this before, but in the Lord's Prayer, all the requests are corporate. They're our, right? Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, okay? All of them are, they're all corporate. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Here's what I think. Right out of the gate, the very first thought is this. In the way that Jesus teaches us to pray, his first thing is to get us out of this myopic self-focus and get us into more of a thought about each other. Because he doesn't have to teach anybody to think about themselves. We all automatically think about ourselves as our main thought of how do, I, how do I live? How do I get taken care of? Am I getting taken care of? And the prayers themselves smack against that. The prayers themselves are set up not for you to think about just yourself, but to think about us. Now, it's not to say, oh, you're a nasty sinner. You've prayed for yourself. How dare you? You're condemned. God didn't listen. He hates that. That's not the point. The point is that when we pray, we don't pray for ourselves and forget our brother and sister. Now, just think about that. How often has your own problem gotten so big in your mind that you can't think about anyone else? And then all you're thinking about is me, 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 mine. I need me, I. And in the format of the prayer that he teaches, it's always us. And so I was asking the Lord, so can I never ask, like, hey, I need a little help. I actually need help. I actually do. Do I always have to say, us needs help? <laughs> like We're we getting into weird pronouns now, like what's going on? And, and, and it's not that. But you can say, I need help. God, help me help us. Help me and let me not forget about my brother and sister. Help us. And I think that is a critical thought right there in the Lord's Prayer, that he's not wanting any of us to go alone. He's wanting every one of us to go together. We don't go alone. We go together. So it's always feed us forgive us. God, forgive me. Forgive us. God, lead me. Lead us. God, deliver me. Deliver us. And so they're all corporate. It will deliver you. When you get that mindset, it will deliver you from an unhealthy isolation and an unhealthy independence in your walk. How many of you know we need each other? I mean, we really need each other. And so he puts it right there in the beginning in the the Lord's prayer, Prayer that we are to ask for us, not just me. Now here's the thing. These four areas, for you to even agree that these are important, you have to humble yourself. For you to even agree that you should ask the Lord to feed you. And I'll put in parentheses, provide for you. For you to even believe that, you have to humble yourself. And it's because so many things come so easy to us in the West because we are so rich and so full of so many opportunities. And honestly, I mean, I did homeless ministry for about a year, uh, and there was more opportunity uh, even for the homeless folks that were living in downtown Atlanta. They got to eat three squares a day because there were so many feeding programs. It was it was amazing, and after getting to know a lot of the guys that we were ministering to, they're like, oh, yeah, we go over here on Monday, and then we go there, 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 and then we on Tuesday, we go here and here, and we can only do two meals on Tuesday, so we got a big one in the morning and a small one, and then Wednesday, we got four, so we usually package one of those for Thursday. I mean, it's like, dude, they were getting fed over and over and over and over, and it's not to say that anybody in America never grows up with a, like a, you know, a, a, a lack of food in their life, but it, in our country, it's very, very unusual But when you're in other parts of the world and in developing nations, it's totally normal. And a couple couple thousand years ago, it's totally normal for that to be a a normal thing, especially in agricultural societies. But it's not about just food. It is about food, but it's about provide for us. I need you to take care of our needs. I need you to take care of my needs, my most basic need. And it's coming to grips with this. Do you believe that you can take care of your most basic need yourself and you don't need God? Do you believe that? Do you believe you can provide your most basic needs? And right there, it kind of just hits that arrogance point like, of course I can. I can get up, go to the refrigerator right now and get something to eat. I mean, I can take care of myself. I can find water. I can find food. I don't need God for that. But let me tell you something. Without the Lord creating the entire system of what he calls sea time and harvest, there is no food on the planet. The provide for us and the feed us, this is about God's commitment to take care of you and provide for you in every way, even the most basic stuff. And so each one of these four areas, it really is about will you humble yourself? and allow the Lord to meet those needs that you have? Or will you continue to go along trying to meet your own needs in every area? So he starts with the food thing because it seems like such a no-brainer, but he's like, he's hitting at the core of our own arrogance, thinking, I can take care of me. And as long as you believe you can take care of you, you don't need God for that, you're leaving God out of an entire, you know, component of who he's supposed to be in your life. Am I making sense right now? And so he starts that with, with, he starts the Lord's Prayer with that, and I'll go deeper in that in just a moment. But the point is he wants us to get out of this mentality believing that we can take care of ourselves, we can can provide for ourselves, that we can meet all of our own needs. And so when I think of these four prayers, this is what I hear Jesus, the good shepherd, saying. I just hear him speaking, and I feel like this is what he wants to say over us tonight. Would you just let me take care of you? Would you just stop trying to control everything? Ask me to feed you. Ask me to forgive you. Ask me to lead you. Ask me to deliver you. That's what he's inviting you to a humble reliance and a confident trust in him to take care of you in every area, foundationally and in every way. And I think that we are so used to just sort of taking care of ourselves and it's a product of our culture that we don't recognize how essential it is that we set our hearts up in a way that says, God, I need you in the most basic things. I can't breathe without you. I, I can't, my heart doesn't beat without you. I can't eat without you. I can't provide for myself in any way. I need you. Lord, just feed me. Just feed me. Lord, just forgive me. Lord, lead me. Lord, deliver me. And I'm going to go through why each of these are super important. So let me show you this in Deuteronomy 8. I'll just read it to you. This is why feed me, which I would also say provide for me. This is why it's so important. Because the Lord, he is, he is really invested in providing for us. He's, he, he really wants to be our provider. We think about, like, God, provide the money for me to go on the trip. I really want to go to Maui, Lord. Could you provide that? <laughs> Somebody's like, come on. But that's, he, he, he's not even, I mean, yes, maybe he wants to pay for your trip to Maui. But the point really is, he wants to provide everything for you. He doesn't want you to think, there's certain things I provide for myself, and then when I really need help, God. And that's how we think. Well, I can take care of a bunch of stuff for myself, but when it's hard, God. That's not it, y'all. That's not even Christianity. Christianity is, I can't do this without you. I can't make it on my own. I can't breathe. My heart doesn't beat without you. There's no blood in my veins without you. There's no synapses in my brain without you. Feed me. Getting down to that place of absolute humility and just saying, I can't do jack without you, God. I'm lost without you. I'm nothing without you. Feed me. And so it's getting to that place of absolute, humble desperation and and recognition. That's the key, is recognizing it. Like right now, you've got to recognize there aren't five things that you can do for yourself, and then God does the rest. That's not it. So he goes right at the most basic thing. He goes, like a baby, ask me to feed you. You go, I can feed myself. I'm a... I am a young adult now. He goes, you'll never outgrow being my child. Ask me to feed you. And your 10 reasons why that is juvenile and stupid and baby are all the 10 reasons why your pride is keeping you out of intimacy with him. I get it. We got a bunch of control freaks in here. You don't want to say amen to out yourself. It's okay. I I bless you. I love you. I get it. I cannot remember ever asking the Lord to feed me. I can remember in my most broken moments, like after just getting pulverized by going my own way, like 10 times in a row, and all of them ending up in train wreck just going, I need you, I can't do anything, finally. Like, finally getting to that place. And Jesus is so kind, He's starting us with, feed me. So that we don't sit there and go through all these, you know, cycles of brokenness and just jacking our life up till we finally get so smashed on the rocks and we go, oh, help, feed me. He goes, "Let me give you a hint. Start with feed me." Start with you can't do the basics. Start with you need me in every area. You can't breathe without me. He always gives us the answer to the test, but we're so silly we go, "Ah, that couldn't be the answer." Yeah, I'm gonna put my own answer in. And we get the test back F. Huh? He goes, bro, I gave you the answer. You're like, nah. Yeah, let's take the test again. I got another one. <laughs> F. You ever had your life circumstances, like, repeat themselves? It's the weirdest thing, Right? You're going through life. Something goes and blows up. You're like, geez, that was terrible. You scoop yourself back up. You go back. You start doing life again, and then you go back, and like six months, nine months, 12 months later, same thing comes around, like different faces, same words even, and you're like, huh, dude, this is going to blow up, and you do this. You try the same thing, or you try your own way, a different way, blows up. You're like, geez, it's blowing up on me again. Listen, why is it blowing up on you? Because you won't ask him to feed you. won't just get down in the dirt and just go, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. I need you so bad. Deuteronomy 8, when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, he pronounces all these blessings on him. He goes, guys, you guys are going to be blessed up, down, in, out. You are going to be so blessed. But he goes, let me just tell you something. Verse 11, he says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest, watch this, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Guys, that's exactly what we do. We're like, we, we, we get shipwrecked in life. We run to Jesus. We have that humility to say, I need you to, like, do everything for me because I'm a wreck. It will feed me, God. Like, we have that mentality sort of. And then we, he, he, like, he, like, scoops us up, fills us up, straightens us out, straightens out everything. And we start, like, I got this. I could do this on my own. All right. This is good. And I'll say, like, I don't feel God anymore, but, man, my life is good, so I'm good. Poof, and everything blows up again. And then you're back to, like, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I need you. He goes, no, listen. He goes, you're going to get full because I'm going to feed you. You're going to be prospering because I'm going to take care of you. And when it's going well for you, don't sit there and look at it and go, man, I really did well. I got myself in a good place. Because as soon as you do that, he goes, you're going you're gonna to shipwreck. He goes, don't do that, guys. Guys, this is about humility. And honor, being humble enough to ask him to feed you, and then when he does, honoring him for what he's given. Every area. Give us this day our daily bread. Feed me. Feed me. I need you. I can't do this without you. You ever been going along? And like, man, things are going well. And all of a sudden, you're just starting to feel like, man, I don't feel God anymore. What happened? Well, what happened was you weren't doing the thing. We got de- like delivery happening? Oh, okay, cool. Welcome. I was like pizza. You can just put it right there. I'll be eating while I'm preaching. But you're going right along. All of a sudden, I don't feel God anymore. And you're like, what happened? And then you're like, why don't I feel you? And, and the reason why is you're not doing the same things you were doing when you started. You follow that? You're not doing the same things you used to be doing. And so now it's all of a sudden like maybe things are fine, but it's like I don't feel close to you anymore. I, I was talking to I have some dear friends in Seoul, Korea. I've been to Seoul, Korea, I don't know, three, four times. And um, then ministry trips and all this stuff there. And so I'm talking to these guys in Seoul, Korea. And Seoul and South Korea is, itself is known as a prayer, like, mecca, like, amazing praying people, interceding people. It's, like, so amazing. But talking to the, the young leaders, the 45 and under kind of leaders, they're saying, we used to have a culture of prayer in South Korea, but we don't anymore. And I say, like, how could you say that? Like, you guys are, like, the praying people, like, So many stories, and they're like, well, here's what happened. We went through massive poverty, and so in the 50s and 60s, all of the fathers and mothers, they rallied the church to pray and intercede, and we asked God to take care of us and and to just provide for us so that we wouldn't just die out. And they were going through major, major, major poverty. He goes, and it was the poverty that pushed us to intercession, And the intercession pushed us into prosperity. And then when we got prosperous, they said we lost our prayer culture. Don't ever lose feed me. And if you've never prayed that one, start. And don't have to go shipwrecked till you start asking him to feed you. Just realize that when you get out of bed in the morning, feed me today. Everything, everything you have for me, feed me. I need you. I need you. Feed us. That prayer, give us this day our daily bread, that prayer, feed us, it opposes our propensity to provide for ourselves. It starts right at the jump Going smacking against how we want to provide for ourselves. All right, next, forgive us. Everybody say forgive us. This right here it blows my mind that it's that's right there in the Lord's prayer. He goes, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and there is a component there that has to be talked about, and it's this: that the merciful receive mercy, the unmerciful will not receive mercy. You cut yourself off from mercy when you're holding offense and unforgiveness. And I'll do a whole thing on unforgiveness sometime. But listen, when you're in unforgiveness and you've got a person that you're just holding in unforgiveness, like, Ur, I just hate that person. Uh, they did me wrong. And you just got that unforgiveness toward them. Let me tell you something 99.9% of the time, they don't even know. So the person that's getting defiled isn't them, it's you. You put them in a prison, but what you don't realize is they're not in the prison. You are. You're in this prison of unforgiveness. Your soul is locked down. And here's what happens. When you are choking them out with unforgiveness, you know what you're doing? You're choking yourself out because you choke yourself from being able to receive the mercy that God wants to give you by being unmerciful. Am I making sense? You cannot walk around with closet unforgivenesses. You just can't. And you you have to get to this place of, God, I just forgive. I just forgive and bless. And you know what I found about forgiveness? Forgiveness, 99.9% of the time, doesn't feel good. Because forgiveness requires what? You had to get done wrong. But, you know, we think forgiveness is, uh, you know, You bought a whole pizza and somebody ate a piece without asking. And they're like, bro, I'm so sorry. I ate the piece of pizza. You're like, bro, I'm going to eat all of it anyway. Like, I forgive you. It's good. You're like, so good to forgive. I'm so merciful. (laughs) It's, It's like a fountain of mercy right here. It's like God in me right there. The Lord, Lord, God, merciful, Billy, the Billy, merciful. You know, it's just. Listen, you can't even do mercy until you've been done wrong. Mercy requires that what they did to you is an actual offense and could be judged. But instead of judgment, you give mercy. You give forgiveness. So forgiveness is like for the Christian. And I I know I'm, I'm probably, you know, there's a whole bunch of like, there's a whole bunch of rabbit trails we could go on with this. And I can open a can of worms with this, but here's the point. We'll we'll do it another time. But forgiveness for the Christian is a requirement. Here's how. You are a Christian because the one who's been done wrong the most has forgiven. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, perfect, no sin, dies at the hands of his creation. He's been done wrong the most and he forgave. Thus, you have the power to forgive because of that. Not on your own, by his ability, by his grace. All right. That's really not the point I want to get to. That was just a little extra bonus. Here's the point. He puts it right there in the Lord's prayer because it's feed us, forgive us. Like that's like right out the gate, like that like, wow, that's, like, you're, you're, going, you're going there. Like, you're saying I need to repent right now? He goes, yeah, right now. I'm like, I'm just trying to, like, get, like get fed. He goes, yeah, and you need to ask for forgiveness. I go, huh? I didn't do it. He goes, you did. Well, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. He goes, son, you did. And he's not trying to blame. What he's trying to do is normalize this idea that we all mess up all the time. And that asking for forgiveness should be normalized. And so that when somebody does this wrong, it's like we're, if they come and they say, man, forgive me, I screwed that up. They were like, bro, no problem. Forgiveness and the need for forgiveness should be so clear to us that we have to ask for forgiveness because we're always jacking it up. Now, if your pride is so big that you're sitting there going, not me, man. I don't jack anything up. Like, I'm pretty much, I like, got it. There's Christian perfection. I'm almost it. <laughs> you know, if that's where you're at, like, bro, no. That ain't it. Your arrogance is deceiving you. Your pride is deceiving you. And the point isn't to walk around just so aware of all your brokenness and all your like, you know, so your identity is just so you know twisted up with your, you know, your sin issue. That's not the point. But the point is that we normalize the fact that we are in process, that we're we're perfect by the blood and we're being perfected. See, we're forgiven and we're being forgiven right? We're free, and we're being set free. Like, we're on a journey right now of, the Bible says this, it's unclear what we're going to be, but when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. We're on a journey to being glorified, okay? And on the way, we got to get all the crap out, and so just owning our junk and being honest about it, Man, just saying, like, my soul isn't lined up in that area, and I need to, I need to repent. Please forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. You see what I'm saying? Like being in that space instead of just trying, it's wild to me how Christianity has become like, okay, if you're a Christian, you got to act perfect. You got to hide all your dark areas, act like you're just fine. And when people ask you, how's it going? You go, blessed. Praise God, glory to God, amen. Hallelujah, glory to God. Praise God. How are you, brother? Blessed, blessed, blessed. <laughs> Praise God. And we live that way. That's ridiculous. That idea that you've got to actually wear this false face in, 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 in the community of faith, that is not it. We're to live recognizing that, man, we all err in many ways. James 3.2, we all stumble in many ways. You know what that does? That keeps you out of a judgmental spirit. You know what I hate? Is when Christians get a little cleaned up and then they look at the world and they just look down their nose at everybody in their sin and they're judging everybody for sins that they were literally doing two weeks earlier. Or worse, they're doing it last night and faking that they're not. That ain't it. We all stumble in many ways. Look, it's not to act like, well, I just sin and I just sin. You know, it's what I do. That's not it either. We lean into the grace of God, and the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously in this present evil age. Like, the grace of God is, is there, and it's powerful to keep us from sinning. It enables us to stand and live holy and righteous. It's really there. It's really powerful. It's how lives get changed by the power of the grace of God. But here's the point, that when you screw up, you just own it, and you repent, and you ask Jesus to forgive you, and it's just normal. And I just think that, man, we've made, like, we've made this idea of needing forgiveness like so difficult. No, it's okay. You blew it. Just repent. Turn away from the sin. Turn to Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Amen. The church should be the easiest place for people who stumble to come back to. But instead, when people stumble, a lot of times they don't want to come back to church. Why? Because they're afraid of being judged. But right there after feed us. He goes, forgive us. Do you see that we're supposed to be a mercy factory? We're supposed to be people that are recognizing that we are in need of forgiveness. And without his grace and his power to cleanse us, there's no way we're getting, we're even moving one step forward. Amen. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us and cleanse us. There's so much more there. I want to move on. Oh, I got to say this, though. The prayer, forgive us, it smacks our propensity to want to justify ourselves. And man, that is the sin of the Pharisees. That is the sin of the religious spirit justifying yourself, somehow believing. Watch this. Somehow believing even your righteous works somehow make you more right with God. Do you recognize your righteous works don't make you right with God? They do not. The blood of Jesus makes you right with God. His righteous work makes you right with God. All right, And His blood enables us to choose righteous works. But that doesn't make God love you anymore and it doesn't make you more righteous. I am, come on, I am preaching. Our propensity to try to justify ourselves puts us right into a religious spirit, self-righteous, judgmental. Here's how you know when you're judgmental. When you look at somebody, even in the most perverse sin, and you think they deserve what they get. What if somebody had said that to you in your worst moment? Forgive us. Feed us. Forgive us. Third, lead us. Everybody say lead us. You know what lead us is? Lead us is this. It's this prayer. I can't lead me. I need you to lead me and lead us. I need you to lead me. And and it's interesting because... So it says, lead us not into temptation, right? Now, just objectively speaking, would God ever lead you into temptation? Would he take you and lead you right into temptation? No. So why would we have to ask him not to lead us into temptation? He's not going to do that anyway. Huh? We would lead ourselves right into it. That's why. We have to ask him to not, we have to ask him to lead us not into temptation because when we lead us, we lead ourselves right into temptation. Okay. How many, do I have any like um, Star Wars fan people in here? Okay. Do you guys like the prequels or no? Okay. This by sound, if you like the prequels, go ahead and make a noise. If you don't like the prequels, make a noise. 50-50, 50-50, okay. All right, in the prequel, now for those of you that don't know Star Wars, just get lost for a minute. Think about what you got to do tomorrow. All right, but in the prequels, Anakin, right? He's a, he's a, he's a Padawan. He's going to be a Jedi. He's assigned security duty with Padme. How many is with me? All right. <laughs> he said, that was toxic. That part of the movie was toxic. The movie making, the dialogue, everything was toxic. I agree. But here's the point, right? So Anakin ends up in the cringiest scene in the entire Star Wars whole canon where him and Padme are looking at each other for a candlelight dinner, and he's like doing the force on whatever that is, and they're, you know. And girlfriend has got like this low-cut situation going on, and bro is supposed to be not like. At all getting romantically involved. And I'm like, dude, why are you getting in? Why are you in the room in that situation? Because there's no way the woman that you've loved since you're eight years old, you in that situation, we know where that's going. That ain't going anywhere. Positive. And by the next movie, we got a baby, we got a marriage, everything's hidden, we got a problem, right? What happened with Anakin? He was led into temptation. Why? Because left to our own devices, that's exactly what we do. We lead ourselves into temptation like every time. You ever been in a situation and you're like, how did I get here? I know how you got there. You followed your nose. You went right into it. You led yourself into that sinful situation. Why? Because left to our own leadership, left to our own devices, we will actually choose sin. Even when we hate it, even when we don't want it. And we will protect ourselves. We'll justify ourselves back to forgive us. We will justify ourselves and protect ourselves. And bro, I don't have a problem and I don't really need any help and I don't need any accountability. And you know what we end up doing? Is we lead ourselves right into the thing that we hate and is destroying us. So we have to pray. Don't lead me into temptation, God. God. Lead me away from temptation. Lead me into righteousness. Lead me into righteousness. There's a path of righteousness. You know what the Bible says about the righteous path? It shines brighter and brighter and brighter all the way to when it's like the noonday sun. It's that bright. You know what that is? That's the path that the Lord leads us in. You know what he's got for you? I guarantee you, I already know what he's got for you. If you ask him to lead you, he's got a path in front of you that's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. But when you don't ask him to lead you, you know where you're going to naturally go? Into temptation. This is so much Pilgrim's Progress. How many know Pilgrim's Progress? As soon as bro got off the path, he was messed up. Right? Some of us need to onboard this prayer right now. You're even getting ready to leave this place tonight, and you're going to lead yourself right into temptation. And you need to onboard this prayer. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me into righteousness. You know what I find? When you ask the Lord to lead you, all of a sudden, that situation, that's the jacked up situation that's gonna pull you down and mess you all up, all of a sudden, you're making the plan and you're texting the person and the thing and the hookup and all the stuff. And as you're doing the deal, all of a sudden, that feeling on the inside gets really big. How many know that feeling? How many have, don't raise your hand, how many have run through that feeling? You're like, it's gonna be fine, I love them. I just want to be. Hang, I just want to hang out. I'm not going to do anything wrong. Bro, you you end up being Anakin and Padme with a candlelight, bro. And it's not it. It's just not it. Lead me not into temptation, because here's what happens, God. When I lead myself, I go into brokenness and destruction. When I lead myself, I control everything. When I lead myself, I end up making massive mistakes. But when you do let the Lord lead you, here's what I find. He leads you into righteousness. He leads you into the path of people that need what he's doing in you. And those are called divine appointments. Have you ever done the divine appointment and you're like, how in the heck? This is amazing. I remember one time, this is when I was uh, uh, in college, I uh, was praying. I was like, Lord, where do you want me to go right now? Just take me to someone you want me to share with. Where do you want me to go right now? And instantly, in my mind, I got the image of this location in a mall that was about 10 minutes from me. I was like, I don't know, but I think you want me to go stand right there in that mall. So I drive there, and I'm feeling like a freak right now because I'm going like, am I really about to just go stand in the mall because like, I think the Lord's trying to lead me there? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I go, and I get out of the car, and I like walk in there. I'm like, yes, Lord, he's going to speak to me. I'm going to revival in the mall. It's going to happen. And I I walk up, and I'm standing in the spot. And I'm like, gosh, I probably look like an idiot right now. I'm just standing here. Am I supposed to, like, do something? Like, am I supposed to start shouting? Like, am I supposed to, like, go all John the Baptist in the mall right now? Like, what am I supposed to do? It was weird. And I don't remember what time it was, but let's say it was like 2.55. I felt the Lord say, wait till 3 o'clock. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait till 3 o'clock. And on the inside, I'm going, I'm straight making this all up. I've got to be making this up. So I'm standing there in the mall. People are walking by. I'm like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> What's up? How are you? Good? Yep. Good to see you. I mean, it's just like I don't have nothing to do. It makes no sense. I'm just standing in the mall. Three o'clock comes, and I'm like, oh, oh praise God, I'm going to get out of here. And I look, and coming, walking right at me is this girl that lives in my neighborhood who I'd shared the gospel with and had prayed to receive Jesus. And she walks right up to me. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it works. She goes, what are you doing here? I go, the Lord told me to come and stand here until three o'clock. I mean, I'm stunned. She's like, "Uh uh-huh. I go, how are you doing with the Lord? And her eyes go to the ground. And I go, you know why I'm here? Because he wants you to know he loves you. And he wants you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. I said, can I pray for you right now? And she let me pray for her. And I don't really know the rest of the story because I don't remember. But the point is, I just remember, like, Gosh, you just totally led me to this moment that would never have happened. And I don't think you have to just drive around your whole life like, where now, God? Like, where? (laughs) Like, I don't think that's the point. But I do think there are those times that the Lord will lead you in a very specific way in a specific space. But here's the point. He will lead your whole life like that. And there are so many times in my life I just go, the way that worked out, like how all that came together, that was only the Lord's leadership. Lead me, lead me, because I can't lead me. I can't lead me. Have you guys found out yet that you can't lead you? Wait, maybe you realize you can't lead you, but are you doing anything about it, or do you keep trying to lead you? Are we back to taking the same test? F. Like, are we back to doing that? Are we back? Are we going to say, "Lead me," because I can't lead me? I just. I'm not trying to pick a fight over here. They're like, shots fired. I'm not, I am so not picking fights. Listen, shepherds. He said, about shepherds, he said, his rod and his staff, what comfort me. Sometimes a good spanking is what we need. And Other times he, he uses that rod and that staff to beat off the enemy. Hey, sometimes he uses it to point the direction where we got to go. Am I making sense? If you ever take it, a shot's fired. It's not because I hate you. It's because I love you. All right. Psalm 139, 24, lead me in the everlasting way. Last one, deliver us. Deliver us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. Why do we need to ask the Lord to deliver us from the evil one? Yeah, we can't do it by ourselves. We've established that. None of these things we can do by ourselves, right? But what would be so impending that I have to ask God, deliver me from the evil one? Huh? He's always after you. He's gunning for you. The Bible talks about snares, that the devil has snares. What a snare is, he sets a trap. Okay? One of the biggest traps, hear me, one of the biggest traps the devil sets is offense. In fact, the Greek words for offense and offended, it is a trap. It's, it's scandal on, you got it. But it's, a, it's literally about a trap. He sets a stick. You know the, that, that little trap that they set for animals? They put some food in it with a trap stick, and they pull the trap stick, and the animal's caught, you know, in the box? That idea is exactly what's behind the word offense. So what, what does the enemy do? He sets up a few little wiles and devices so that what happens is you see the person, they're having a bad day because three, four wiles and devices. You see this person, they're having a bad day, three, four wiles and devices. You're having a bad day, three, four wiles and devices, and y'all are about to collide and everybody's going to act ungodly. And then y'all are going to walk away, and he's going to go, they were Christians, and they did you that way. How dare them? They didn't think about you. They didn't care about you. And to. And, and, and there's this whole setup. And you walk away with offense in your heart, and what has happened to you? When you've said yes to offense, you've been trapped. He snares us with the trap some of you right now you've been snared and you don't even realize it because you walked right into a trap another star wars reference it's a trap right <laughs> Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2:26 i'm about to land I'm a little loose tonight because I'm going on vacation tomorrow, so it's going to be all good. <laughs> Look, the enemy's always setting traps for us, he's always trying to prey on our weaknesses. We need the Lord to deliver us. Guys, you need the Lord to deliver you from the traps of the enemy. Listen, he gave us these prayers so we would pray them. Feed us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. 2 Timothy 2.26 says this, that they might come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, watch, having been taken captive by him to do his will. See, the enemy is not trying to trap you just to sort of mess with you. He's trying to trap you to cause you to be offended and turn away from God, to cause you to do his will instead of God's will. Guys, when the enemy is trying to trap you, don't be stupid. Pray, ask God, deliver me. And then when he makes the way of escape, run right through it. I want you to think about your life right now. Think about the decisions you're making thinking about the decisions you have made. Undoubtedly, some of you right now, you are about two steps from a trap. Undoubtedly, some of us right now, we are being led into temptation. These prayers, God's giving them to you to humble you so you'll humble yourself and call for his aid the scripture says of Jesus, he, he, he will come to the aid of any of us who are tempted. That there's no temptation, that, that there's not a way of escape. Because he's been tempted in everything yet without sin. I want you to think about your life. Think about the decisions. Some of you guys think about the relationship or relationships. Think about the past decisions. Think about the ones that ended in destruction. Think about when you were leading you, when you were feeding you, and how that went for you. Does that work? When you feed you, you lead you, You know what I've found? Is that when we feed ourselves and then we justify ourselves, then we lead ourselves, we can't deliver ourselves. And he put that right there in the Lord's Prayer because he wants to shepherd us, he wants to lead us in a different path. Psalm 23 by still waters. He wants to make us lie down in green pastures. He wants to restore our soul. He wants to prepare a table for us right in front of our enemy. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because he is leading me. Do You see, that's the portion for the redeemed. The other side of that is when we try to lead us, feed us, deliver ourselves, we don't. We end up in destruction and in brokenness. And I just, I really, really want to put this in front of you. I think you guys, I, I mean, I know your testimony. So many of you are doing so well going after God. I'm so, so blessed and impressed by how the Lord's moving in your life. Don't take the leadership reins. Don't get puffed up and imagine your own hand brought you to this place. And be a, be wise right now so that the enemy doesn't come in. And, 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 and you think you, you got here and you're good and you can lead yourself, and then you just lead yourself right into temptation. And you go right into the snare of the enemy. This is a, it's a moment to say, I'm not going to do that. And if you are doing that, it's a moment to say, Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me. Forgive us. Amen. All right, let's stand. Seven weeks in the Lord's Prayer. Y'all did awesome. Way to go. All right, let's just pray, eyes closed just for a moment. I'm going to give several calls and I just want us to pray together. First, if this was hitting against your propensity to control areas of your life and not trust the Lord's leadership in any way, trust his provision, his leadership, his justification. His deliverance that's hitting you in the area of control, I want to pray for you. If you've taken the reins and you're leading yourself and you want to turn away from that, I want to pray for you. If you're finding yourself and the traps of the enemy are springing all around you right now and you need him to deliver you, I want to pray for you. And if you'd say, I've just imagined that there was five things I could do and God would just make up the difference, but I recognize right now, I'm just throwing my self on the mercy of the Lord and saying, I can't even breathe without you. Give us this day our daily bread. I need to trust him in every area. I want to pray for you. And any of those, if any of those resonate, I just want you to be bold, step out from where you're standing, come. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord. To meet us right now Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name and kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Just say this to him. Say, Lord, I release control. Feed me. Forgive me. Lead me. Deliver me. Father, I'm asking for every single person in this altar right now and the area that you're pointing out, that you're putting your finger on, There would be a marked change as they confess right now their need. There would be such a distinct shift in that area, whether it's control or simple humility or taking the reins when they're doing well. enemy to spring traps. Some of you need to just let go of control right now. (sighs) Some of you need to let the kingdom come to you. (sighs) Now come Holy Spirit right now just meet us. Thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. Some of us have been very self-justifying. We get defensive when our sin gets pointed out in any way. Look, just throw yourself on and say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. So come Holy Spirit right now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.